Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning. Brendan here. Uh, Before we get you out, and as we welcome Gary Sharp into the show here, we have a question in from Fred while we're discussing the pass catchers. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the tight end room and Eric Gilbert. We saw some some precedents laid down by the NCAA in this past week about giving uh, an additional waiver for guys who are transferring beyond that one free transfer. And it's not looking good for Eric Gilbert. I feel like maybe from the outside looking in, the coaching staff may feel the same way in terms of Gilbert's eligibility this upcoming season. What kind of feel are you getting? And maybe we'll go to Gary as well in terms of what type of feel he's getting with Eric Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, the, the trend broadly, and I know there are exceptions, seems to be that like athletes really get the benefit of the doubt most of the time with this. And with with Gilbert, you know, we know there were some ex- some unique circumstances to it um, that don't make it like, yeah, this guy's just bounced around. Um, for for no good reason so i kind of entered this thinking he'll probably get it but i think the latest we've been hearing is this may not be done before the season starts which doesn't mean it won't happen during the season but it's just insane the way it was put uh put to one of our reporters is like it's probably just sitting on a desk somewhere in indianapolis and and nobody's gotten to it yet come on man we got fleck coming up in 19 days <laughs> the, the countdown is on the countdown is on sharpie good to see you bud good to see you so uh, on on to add to brandon's point minnesota has a starting defensive back that they're waiting on uh, hmm. a defensive back by the name of craig mcdonald who went to iowa state and then went to auburn and is supposed to play a significant amount for minnesota they're waiting on his as well i think hmm. um you know people looked at what happened with North Carolina and Florida State earlier this week on a two-time transfer waiver request that was denied, which if you look at it, you go, come on. But mm-hmm. the NCAA, the reason they have this, we're not allowing you to transfer for the second time, because they don't have people to investigate this. You know, if, if somebody says, oh, I'm moving closer to home because mom isn't feeling well, well, they probably have to look into it. They're not looking into these things. And so that was disappointing. But I think from Nebraska's standpoint with Gilbert is there are two things that I'm hearing that are easier to present in a second-time transfer. One is if, let's say, you were abused mentally or physically and you have to transfer to another school. You were at Northwestern. Yeah, Yeah. that's an automatic you're signed off. The next one is how is your mental health? You know, we looked at the Drew Ott situation, and he brought up mental health. But back when Drew Ott was trying to get an extra year at Iowa, mental health was really kind of, eh. Now it's like first and foremost, it's part of the discussion. And so the Nebraska approach, and remember, Nebraska waited a while before they put in this waiver. Nebraska did not put in this waiver until May, um, even though they knew that they would need one once he got on campus. But they have approached it from – being at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, with our resources, is better for the mental health of uh, a- Eric or Eric Gilbert on and off the field. And he's in a better spot here than he was previously, and he's at a comfort level, 
And that's why that's part of the reason, you know, we believe that we should get a waiver for him to play for the second time. So, you know, I, I, I agree, you know, of, of the that it's sitting on a table somewhere. I, I think if you're Nebraska, you would like it to be moved along a little bit further because you have some, yeah. you know, you're, you're at a position group where they're starting to move Fedoni around. Fedoni is playing in the slot a little bit. So, hmm. you know, they've kind got a flex tight end. Yeah. Okay. So so they've got a you know, they don't have a. They don't have a ton of bodies there that you go, oh, yeah, that guy will play. So I think Nebraska would like to have a sense of urgency, but we've been in this game long enough, guys. The NCAA isn't saying, uh, we're on Nebraska's clock. No, we're on their clock, unfortunately. And unfortunately for the young man who, if he's not allowed to play, will stay on the team and they will probably help him get ready for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Vogues will uh, get caught up again this week and – we're inching closer to Minneapolis, a few storylines, and should be pretty interesting post-scrimmage today from Coach Rule. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. There All right. he is, Brandon Vogel. Find him, follow him, read him. Hey, uh, what, what do you think is going to happen Vars, At Brandon L. Vogel on, on Twitter's where you find him. I think it's going to be quiet. It's just boring. There's nothing going on. I mean, we're not a hyperactive fan base, are we? No, not, not at all. Not at all, because it's Friday, and here's here's okay. Friday we get done with the show. We weren't able to be in Omaha because of weather and timing. So Elijah's in studio. I'm I'm at the kitchen table or the kitchen island doing the show from home. We we're supposed to be at Pinnacle Bank Championship. Get done with the show. Have friends come over, and as I'm walking out the door, it's like the bat phone starts going nuts. Elijah and I are virtually huddling what's going on with the wide receiver room as there was some question marks about it going back to the beginning of the week when we heard from coach rule just with guys that were that were missing for for normal things right during a during a fall camp and right now we have spent a hell of a lot of time this morning on prop bets and <laughs> and who the who's going to be catching you know eighty footballs from Sims today, and who's going to catch fifty right in this passing game? So yeah, welcome to uh, to week uh, two of fall camp. Now I'll say this: you can have you can have some drama through no fault of your own as a football program. Uh, that said, but it just feels like okay, guys, the control. Who's going to put that? Whatever the fire is, who's going to put it out? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel all right about Matt Rule being able to, to handle, right? Handle things. And you'll yeah. uh, need to, guys, because we're not far away. Uh, we're not far away from that, that momentous opportunity to get, to get a win and to get a win in game one for this football program for the first time in forever. So Malachi Coleman is back. So that's yes. one that has been questioned. Marcus Washington um, re-injured that hand uh, again. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't think it's long term. Like he's not playing against Minnesota, but it's disappointing because here's what's happened in the first two weeks because of the lack of bodies and guys moving in and out of availability. Their passing game has been a little bit choppy, and mm-hmm. you know they need a full array. Uh, and and you know Matt Rule. Probably the way he has handled things, Xavier Betts is a discussion. He will address it right away. He addressed it the other day when he said he is injured and he doesn't see it as, as long-term. And, you know, 
all of the rumors are out there. But Marula's done a really good job of being at the front of these things. He doesn't like drama yep. and he stay, you know, he is more, he's not reactionary. He is proactive. So, you know, that, that'll come up and I think he has to address it. And, you know, they just, they, they got to get some bodies. They got to get some guys. Um, you know, Alex Bullock is, is going to play. And I think he would have played regardless if guys were in and out of the lineup, but they need some stability at that position because they need to start to take a step forward with their passing game. You know, it just can't be Billy Kemp out there every day. Now, Fleeks is back as well. I know that's a, a rumor that is out there, but Fleeks came back after he lost 100 pounds or whatever, um, and he is <laughs> yeah. still out there. Yeah, and, uh, he, and he's another veteran presence that you might be able to count on. And we have Washington had a brace on his hand at fan day. Uh, so something that he's something that he's nursing. Well, and then he had it. Then he came back on Monday and he he tweaked it again. Uh, okay, so I think either way, like as we're talking about this, and yes, you you'll probably get some snaps from Ty Han, from Alex Bullock, a couple walk-ons. Um, but either way, it seems like okay. Xavier Betts is kind of in flux. Washington, who knows about his health? Josh Fleeks is is wasn't even allowed to report because he had to lose freaking weight so at least early on yeah. it feels like you're probably gonna have to thrust a freshman or two into the mix or like, sort of sort of like ready or not they're or gonna did. thrust a couple of those guys in but are or guys are you ready for this oh. a lot of two tight end sets where fedoni is a jumbo tight end like we were just talking about mm-hmm. at the end of the segment with brandon is you're mm-hmm. playing him in the slot you're playing him as an x and borkisher is your what you would in line? Normally, yeah, you're in line, your typical tight end. So hmm. they're doing more of that. And I'm wondering if that is a sign of, well, we have to overcome some absences with wide receivers. We've got Fedoni. He has stayed healthy. He's a freak. We got to get him on the field in any possibility. And if that means we're using him as a, a jumbo tight end, let's do it and uh, forego a wide receiver because we just don't have enough proven wide receivers to get out there on a continuous basis. And, and let's not and, also forget And then you mix in a Ramirez. And I'll, I was going to throw in another guy from the backfield, Mark. Uh, Jenner and Bonner, former wide receiver, now Ooh. playing fullback. Yeah. Bonner Ooh. is another guy. Now, I, I sarcastically, Elijah, I'm glad you brought him up. I brought him up earlier this week. Um, have any of he Now, he's still with the team because I've, I've seen him, but... You remember when we talked about him a lot in the spring? Yeah. I don't know that his name has been brought up since the spring. Hmm. I, I think I saw it once or twice. I know what you're saying, though. It's not nearly like it was. This is what well, he, I'm, I'm he, trying to figure he's out. Working, he's working with tight ends and fullbacks. Right. He's that yeah, H-back. Yeah, his, last time he was brought up was when Satterfield talked because there was the fullback focus. And, you know, how are some of the other fullbacks fitting in? But it's been a couple of weeks, right? Seven to ten days. Yeah. I think he's a guy. Like, yeah. He's a guy. I think you want to keep quiet because I don't think they're going to play him like a traditional fullback. If you're getting the media in there yeah. and you're showing your traditional fullbacks, you bring in Bonner once game one starts and use him in a completely different way, like a wide receiver yeah. playing fullback could surprise some teams. I think he's a he's a guy to keep an eye on in terms of a pass catching option physical. for this Husker football team in the fall. And he's physical too. He's he's pretty well put together. He came in already pretty physically mature from day 1. Um so he could I think he could handle it physically. I think you can demand a lot out of him and move him around a lot. Gary Sharp is with us uh, weekend edition. So Sharpie, you laid out this picture of a choppy passing game because of 
uh, missing and availability, right? Who, yeah. who are they, who are they working on? Let's go to the run game with who's available on the offensive line. Uh, how are you feeling about the offense two weeks away from Minnesota? Uh, well, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think you have Teddy for the first game. Um, okay. So no. that means is, got- is, is Nuri going to be back or well, is he just, so I, I don't know, you know, when we had uh, availability the other day and he was off to the side in a green Jersey, he was dressed in full pads. It wasn't like Teddy, like guys, how would you like to be out of the lineup? Everybody knows who you are. The media come in to watch practice and they stare at you riding a stationary bicycle. I mean, and you're seven feet yeah, tall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Teddy looks already <laughs> uncomfortable, and people are like, "All right, is his knees going up and down?" Okay, <laughs> um, you know, I think Noelle is just uh, just a ding. Um, but sure. but here's the situation: it actually may work out pretty well because again, you know, we're Ben Hart and Corcoran are on the ends, and you know, they're very polarizing guys. They've got third year be, starters at this they've point. Got, they've got to yeah. be good. I mean, that's the Matt Rule, Donovan Raiola are, are banking on those two guys. I will tell you, interior, interior guys, and take out Ben Scott because I think Ben Scott's going to be a blessing for this offensive line. We could have a rotation because I think on opening day, Piper and Lutovsky are your starting guards, but yep. Noelle is in there, but you're going to have three guys that can rotate. Um, and then once you get Teddy back, you could have four guys. I really believe for the first time in a while, we're going to have a true rotation on that offensive line. And we haven't had that. Um, yeah. And I think that's what they want to do. And I think they're at a level where they're comfortable. But, you know, if there's one thing about Minnesota, and I truly believe, guys, that the Minnesota 2023 and the Nebraska 2023, in terms of top to bottom, are not that far apart compared to the pre- a couple of previous years. Um Minnesota's defensive line I really like, but they didn't do a good job of getting home last year. They just created a lot of stalemates. So that offensive line for Nebraska is going to have to be good, you know, in what, 19 days. Um, But I I think I feel a little bit better about the offensive line than I did maybe coming out of spring. Okay. Well, it's the the one position experience matters everywhere, but – more so on the offensive line than at any other position, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the, the, uh, there's approximately seven, maybe eight guys that are in the mix. You mentioned Pro Hoska being out. You mentioned New Willies, maybe nursing something right now. Latovsky's the only guy that doesn't have significant either playing or starting experience. Everybody else, I mean, we, we give, you know, Ben Art and, and Corcoran crap, but they've had, you know, two different offensive coordinators, two different offensive yeah. lines. They were thrust into action a lot earlier than probably they should have been. Corcoran's probably even playing out of position. Um, I mean, th- this is going to be their third year anchoring yeah. the tackle position with some continuity, at least of the offensive line coach. So that's good. Ben Scott obviously has started multiple years um, at, at the power five level and he's trimmed down. Uh, and then Ethan Piper, for, from all reports, I mean, Matt Rule's not bringing you to Big Ten media days because he yeah. thinks you're a bum. Well, and remember, right? he got he was one of the guys that got selected for a single-digit number, but as an offensive lineman, yep. you know, he can't. And, and, and you remember how he came on late last year. Yep. He was a bit of a mess early in his career, but yep. he came on late last year, and he, he was really good. He was pretty productive. He's a guy you could slide into center if you need to. Um so I, I, I agree with you from that standpoint of like, 
are, are we talking that this is the 94 pipeline? No. No. But do you have a lot of experienced, proven guys to choose from? Hell yeah. yeah. Don't you guys believe also? So Matt Rule has put it out there. I mean, he came with the line the other day. This is the offensive line coach I've been waiting for. And you, and everybody around here goes, whoa. Now, Donnie looks different. <laughs> Donnie is never going to be a guy that's going to talk for 15 minutes. He talks for four and a half minutes in front of the media, and we're good. But he looks like a guy that finally the, the, the boss on his shoulder believes in him. Guys, where I'm starting to think, okay, they like what they're seeing with their offensive line. They're running a lot of 22 personnel. When was yeah. the last time Nebraska ran 22 personnel? They couldn't trust their offensive line. If you're actually going to run that and line up and do it again and again and again, that tells me you're trying to give an identity to that offensive line or you like that that offensive line is at least sound enough that you could run 22 personnel and, and gain significant yardage. Sharpie, you don't roll that out there unless you are, from a, from a mentality standpoint, yeah. nasty and, and a – that nasty part be that physicality you better be able to kick someone's ass if you're going to go 22 yep. Yep. <laughs> well now but how much of the i guess the ultimate question is how much of this is them believing in that versus they just straight up it. establishing <laughs> like establishing the identity of just saying this is what we're going to be this is what we're going to do we got to get used to it here we go whether we're good at it or not <laughs> right like yeah. you just don't know well, there, don't know. there is one thing I, I you, you know, Matt Rule from day one, along with Satterfield, has said, we're going to run the football. It's one thing to say that. What do you do as an action to prove that? Mm-hmm. And every practice that has been open or even practices where high school coaches have gone to or here in the first two weeks of camp, I get the same thing back. Man, they are committed to running the football. They run the Good. football a lot in practice. Now, yeah. You wonder when oh, they you run the ball that. haters, all oh, you run yeah. the ball haters from the last decade where, you well, at? you know, the where whole key at? is the exactly. whole key with the running game is not only be efficient, but be able to run the football when you want to, not when you have to, you know, mm-hmm. when you want to run the football, you run the football and you have success instead of, Oh my God, we're forced into running the football. And now at third down and two, our better option is having Mm -hmm. Sims roll out or some play action or something. So it's an identity, but I do give them credit. They said they were going to do it from day one and their actions in practice before they turn the scoreboard on have kind of led you to believe that they aren't messing around. They do want to run the football and they understand the importance of running the football with this roster. Gary, we talk about running the football and the importance of this offensive line making a jump. But when we talked to Brandon Kinney earlier this week on our show, he was mentioning the fact I asked him, What's the most important skill for a wide receiver to have in the Big Ten? And he said blocking. Do, do we think that – I mean, I don't want to underplay the importance of the offensive line and the rushing attack because they are probably the most important position group there. But how important are the wide receivers in developing a strong rushing attack in order to go block those safeties and linebackers and give your running back some options beyond the first level? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah, – we always think about, remember, the wing back. You know, Nebraska back then in the 90s didn't – catch the football a lot or throw the football a lot, but their wide receivers were always nasty down the field. Like Ron Brown would preach that over and over and over about wide receivers downfield, just knocking guys out. No, I think it's a a key point. And I, and I think you'll see that on the edges of helping out with the run game in terms of blocking. Like I'm very curious to watch a guy like Billy Kemp, you know, one thing that has caught me a little bit off guard as we've gotten to get closer to the players and see things, 
Billy Kemp is not that big of a guy. I mean, no. I know he's listed at 5'9". He's a tiny no. guy, but he's pretty stout. So mm-hmm. he's the guy that I'm like, man, him on the edge blocking, is he going to wipe out a defensive back? No, I think that's always always going to be a part of, of the wide receiver group. But also, I will say this. I think with this group of wide receivers and the way that the conference is going to, to cornerbacks who will maul you and try and tie you up, getting off the ball is going to be a huge thing. Creating separation. I mean, Trey Palmer not only had magnificent speed to create separation, but there were times where he did a good job of when a DB was right on top of him, outside of Witherspoon at Illinois who ate him up, he was able to create separation by things that he did. And I think that'll be another key thing with this group of wide receivers is they're fast, but remember, Big Ten, there's some really good cornerbacks that are out there. How do you create separation that doesn't always involve speed? Mm-hmm. Gary Sharp is with us. A couple say, minutes left here. Go ahead. I'll throw in a thought here. Great way to create separation without just using speed. Play action. You got a, a wide receiver running directly at a cornerback, and the corner doesn't know if he's going to come try to take my head off blocking or if he's going to try to burn me 60 yards deep. Just a thought there. If, you, <laughs> if you're able to, to have the threat of, you know what, I'm going to come take this guy's head off in the running game, that corner is going to think twice. That safety is going to yeah. think twice whenever they're running at you, whether or not you're going to be blocking them or going deep. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Again, that's, that's, some, that's some that's some future Nebraska sportscaster of the year. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. there. Again. Look, look at Elijah. In, in company <laughs> of a pair of them. Hey, he's all going to go. of a pair hey, of them. You know, and then just imagine if Nebraska gets back to running that waggle play with the quarterback and a little play action. I love me some waggle. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. Sharpie, we were talking about these props, and I want to get a little more specific. If you're to to pick, if you're to pick kind of a, a game wrecker in a positive way for Nebraska football, who who is it going to be? You have a choice between a Sims, a Kemp, uh, a Grant. I mean, go there for me. Who's your Who's your guy on offense? And then defensively. Who are you picking for Nebraska to kind of lead the way for them uh, in this 3-3-5? Give me one name each way. Thomas Fedoni, Malcolm Hartzog. Really? Okay. That's ex- dude, that's, that's so funny you say it. I was exactly there with you, especially defense. So what you're talking about, are, who are the out-of-system guys? Yep. Who are the guys that give you a plus? You know, just kind of comes out of nowhere and just like makes the play that maybe wasn't yeah. designed like that. Yeah, those are probably the hey. two. Once Fedoni gets running, fools, he generates Guys. so much momentum. Guys, like it's, he, he will suck to tackle once he, he gets I going. can't wait. Again, everything is predicated on his health. I can't wait for people to see him healthy because physically, that is a that looks like an NFL tight end with his body. He just hasn't played a lot of football. I'm telling you, everything I've heard in the first two weeks of practice, when Fedoni touches the football – there are things that are happening. Let me ask you one quick question before we get back to the props, because I'm curious on the three of you on this. Are we all in agreement that the best, the, the, the strongest part, not only just offensively or defensively, in this program right now, the position group that is a position of strength is defensive backs, right? Yeah, we agree with yeah, that? That's the number, yeah. yeah. Can 100%. Nebraska be effective on defense if the best part of your defense is the back end? Yeah, it, but it's going to be your. I mean, use your strengths, right? Shake yes. your money maker, and and they can be because they've got the numbers. They've got this unique defense. 
and they've got guys that that have played quite a bit. It's just a, you know, what's the drop off? They they have strength in numbers, but what do we have behind some of these perceived starters? What what's the, what are the number? What's the rotation look like? How quality is that? That's that's yeah. my question. And I'll, I'll also well, you're, hit you with. The, I mean, you're going to have five defensive backs out there, so I think I'm exactly. Gonna, just throwing that out there. It's like but, half your defense. But it's it's the question yeah. to me if can Nebraska's be defense defense be strong if your back end's the strongest? Does that mean that the rest of your defense is therefore weak? Or can you have passable defensive lines and linebackers and then a strong secondary? I mean, I think you can get by on that, but if it's a secondary that's blitzing from all over the place trying to make up for linebackers exactly. and defensive line that are getting mauled yep. in the Big Ten, now you're running into issues. And I think that's the question there. Well, it's a secondary centric defense. Right, you have three levels: you have D line, linebackers, defensive back. Five of your eleven are DBs, so they're they're going to be impacting the game just you know by law of like averages, like math. <laughs> they, yeah. They're going to have to, right? So you're and and then if you think about the proven commodities that they have there, hey, I'll take Gifford, Newsom, and Hartzog all day. Yep. Right, and that that's three dudes that are bona fide that you know are are going to going to make some hay. You just got to find a couple more, and you have like fourteen guys to choose from. I mean, it's just you yeah. know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see any way that they're not uh, a a almost a focal point of the defense, a focal point. They're, they're going to be moving them. around. They're going to be yeah, but they're going to be moving around. They're going to be blitzing. They're going to be coming off the edge. They're going to be just you know they're going to be running zone. They're going to be mixing in man. They're the the whole defense is predicated on creating confusion and chaos and the dbs are a key key part of that key part of that you're looking for those tweener guys like a gifford right um so yeah i i love i i love that is that going to be effective against a michigan (laughs) that i you know is is any defense effective against michigan though at the same time right i don't know if you can blame the three three five as much as it's just like you know, Michigan's got it going. Yeah, there it, it's 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 a luxury to have, but I mean, I, it, and it it would be great to have all three levels are some of your best, but it, it can't be that way for a long time. I mean, eventually the three guys up front, regardless if you play a three three five or a three four, eventually Nebraska has to get to the strong one of the strongest position groups are the guys that put their hand in the dirt. And affect the line of scrimmage right away. Speaking yeah. of that, one guy Up the middle. Yeah. Oh crap! Did I? I just intercept your. Uh, I just. I just pulled a heart zog and intercepted your uh, prop bet <laughs> comment there, Chris. Just real quick, you, we mentioned uh, Janir and Bonner, who uh, you know made some hay in the spring game, and you haven't heard a lot about him since. There's another guy, AJ Rollins. Mm. Remember they moved him to defensive end, and he was. He played some good snaps, you know, and yeah. he's athletically, he's got kind of the profile you're looking for. Haven't heard a peep about uh, him at all. So he was, Schmitty, were you there, there the other day? I was there. I did not uh, get there Friday. But I was so there he was, day. he was running. Um, he was running with the ones and the twos. I mean, they're, they're, their whole okay, goal is another guy they're hiding. Well, now they're hiding them. They're saving right, them now, in Minnesota. Now, now there's two things here. Well, let me finish about AJ. Um, they, they want to play seven to nine guys. So mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the seventh guy may only play five snaps, but they want to yeah. get to that point. There's, there is the part of guys that aren't mentioned. If, if they're not solicited by a question, 
position coaches probably won't go there. So maybe now that we're through two weeks, a Bonner and a Rollins name will, will come up. Um, but he is, he's working with like the twos. Um, I think AJ okay, will. So he's in the mix. Yeah, he, AJ will find a spot. I think they really, really want their three up front to play a significant amount. Mm-hmm. You know, is Nash Huttmacher, have, have they got him to a spot where he can give you 40 to 45 snaps? You know, yeah. instead of he can only give us 20 and we have to pick and choose, but the 20 he's out there, he's really, really effective. I think they want to get those guys to 40 to 45 to maybe even 50 plus snaps, but then work in some other guys. I, I do believe we're talking about offensive line rotation. I, I think I think because they're going to have to, they're going to have to rotate guys up front. I mean, Terrence Knighton wants that to happen. Um, and I think Tony White says, yeah, with what we're going against and to keep guys fresh, we've got to be able to rotate. and we got to be able to play six, at least six solid defensive linemen where at the end of the day, we're comfortable with that. And it's not like we're just grasping at straws. Here's here's what it, it looks like, I believe, and and then we gotta fill in the the blanks, so to speak, Sharpie, and yeah. see what you think of this. But you've got Nash, you've got Ty, and I think Coach White's got two guys in the middle there that he's not had at previous stops. He's not had guys on the interior that size, so that's a plus for him to kind of clog up that up the middle yeah. uh, running that other teams want to do. You have Judy in there. The question to me is, uh, what do you get from, from Gunnarsson? Because he looks good. He's reshaped a bit, but we've not seen a lot of snaps from him. He's a guy to, to supplement some of those snaps you're talking about. Can he hang on the line with his hand in the dirt? And then what, what's truly the progress of a name we've heard a lot about here the last week. And that's Ruquan Buckley, a guy that's been in the program for a while. So, to me, when we want to talk about defensive line success, you need your three, Judy, Polar Bear, Robinson, to be really, really good and stay healthy. And then you need a Buckley, a Rollins, some of your young guys, one of your one of your three young guys that you're excited about to come in and make some splash plays. They have options. We just don't know again about that second wave. They also have options in a defense where some of these guys may just simply benefit because – what they're asked to do is completely different from last year. They're not supposed to clog up lanes or clog up a gap or be a you know a traffic cone. They actually get to it. They actually get to attack. And so they're, th- they're one gap. They're one gap yeah, scheme up front. Yeah. I I think that benefits a guy like Hutmacher. You know, they can mm-hmm, they can sure. the the defensive lineman can move forward and attack instead of trying to create a stalemate. And they also don't have to. I mean, they can just go out and play now. The defense is a work in progress because you can't just not think and go make plays. You know, you got to be aware of, all right, where's your help out, uh, especially if you're on that second level. But I think the guys up front will benefit from, hey, just go play ball. You know, go ball out, go attack, move forward. You don't have to just create something and keep linemen off linebackers. You know what? You guys get a chance to make a play. And a guy like Hutmacher, I think you will see that will benefit him more than what they tried to ask him last year. And also – it's curious to me, I know Tony White spoke yesterday, if they start to, you know, they went all in on putting the defense in. And there are some guys that are swimming in it because you ha- there's not as many checks as the Chenander defense, but you got to be aware again of where your help is and some certain things. I wonder as we get closer to Minnesota, if the retention, if they kind of cut it back a little bit 
and we don't see, I don't think we will truly see the three, three, five all the time. I think they will adjust yeah. a little bit. I think we'll see some three, four, that kind of stuff, maybe even some four, yeah. three. So yep. we'll look at it and go, where'd the three, three, five go? Well, it's not always every down three, three, five. So that's the next thing to watch into week three of practice. If we start to hear of the defense is making some subtle adjustments on using their personnel to the best of their ability. Gary Sharp is with yeah. us here. And Gary, before we get you out of here, I know we're up against it, but we've talked offense. We've talked defense. I need to get one special team stop from you, something that was hotly contested with Mark, Brandon, and I a little bit earlier in the show. Tristan Alvano, over or under 18 and a half field goals made in the 2023 season, assuming he's the Wow. Star. 18 and a half. For a freshman. Um, <laughs> that should just Gary, say we got, no we got, under. We got some interesting total field goal numbers for Nebraska yeah. dating back to 09. But let, let's let's just hear where you're at here. Under. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right because when you look back, so when we were talking initially, Elijah was like, what? You get two field goals a game, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. two field goals, of course. And so that equals 24. Nebraska hasn't had 24 field goals made since 09. Alexander. That was Henry. That was putrid offense that you had to kick field goals because yeah. they but got okay. inside the red zone so, and they couldn't so score. To Elijah's point, I, I think, you know, if you need points with this offense, like I, I'll be curious to see. I, I think I have a pretty good handle on what they're going to do between the 20s. But what is a we haven't really got into red zone. What Satterfield, his pet plays will be in the red zone, what they can do. Um, because we've seen a hodgepodge the last few years of what they do in the red zone and forgetting about guys like Austin Allen and big tight ends and the fade in the corner of the end zone. Um, the, the, the faith in a field goal kicker, though, could change how they call plays as they get closer to the red zone. If they feel yeah. confident in, in Alvano uh, or Bleak Road, but I, I'm going to go with Tristan because I think he's going to win the job. You know, you could maybe see a lot more field goal attempts, you know, knowing that, hey, we got to, no matter what, we got to get points on the board. So here's three. But that is wild to think that you got to go back to 09 when they had 24 or more. It does yeah. says, say something about the offense. They weren't able to put the ball in the end zone, but at least they were able to put points up. And Gary, uh, Gary uh, Brandon sort of looked it up and said, if you're at 19 field goals, that's yeah. kind of like the cutoff. If you're at 19, yeah. you're top 20 in the country basically yeah which seems seems low yeah you would yeah. think that would be a much higher number but it's not if you're at 19 mm -hmm. you're top 20 in the country so essentially what vegas is setting yeah. the line at is nebraska being top 20 in the nation yeah in the kicking game well and it, it all comes back down to trust if you start if you start getting towards the end zone and you're in the red zone you're calling plays you always have in the back of your mind okay we want this to end up as six, but we don't want it to end up as zero because we don't have the football. Remember, we got a guy, if we have to get to fourth down, we have a guy that we're confident enough from 35 in is going to put it through the post. You know, and that changes as a play caller when you're starting to, you know, sometimes you got to, if you don't have a very good place kicker, you're starting to gamble and you're starting to get out of your element. And all of a sudden you get willy nilly and you put your quarterback in a position and the ball is on the turf or in the hands of somebody else. And you don't ever have a chance to bring that place kicker off the field. So I do sense from Foley that he likes Alvano. He likes Bleak Road. Um, and that's going to be a great competition. A week from today, we will know who the starting place kicker is. They want to give him um, one week out who is going to be the kicker for the opening game. Well, give me 11 on 11 football and stress <laughs> the defense with my 
my dual threat quarterback when I'm in the red zone. That's all hey, I'm seeing. Hey, I know there's a there's a has there been the prop out there of how many punts Nebraska will return this year? Ooh. You want I want, ooh, I want the fair catch number. How many fair catches will be signaled for? Ooh. That's because you have a guy, Nebraska has a guy that has done this before. So Billy Kemp's going to be your punt return guy. He's been doing it for four years at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he has always been Mr. Fair Catch. No. You know? I mean, you look at – go back to last year and the year before, just the pure numbers of punts that Nebraska returned. We, we, we know because we have had long discussions about Oliver Martin with terrible. the Fair Catch. Yeah, they have not put them in a position to succeed. Well, isn't it sad yeah, that I... my criteria for a successful punt returner this year is just don't screw it up, kid? Go out there, just don't <laughs> screw it up. I don't care if you give one or average one yard per return this year. Just don't put the ball on the turf. Just don't <laughs> screw it up. Get it to the offense. And that's not what special teams really should be for your team. It should be a chance to go make an explosive play and give yourself some momentum. But I'm just sitting here. Don't screw it up, please. Dude, no, but no, that's but see, that's the Scott Frost mentality. Because listen to this. 2014, Bo's last year. How many returns did Nebraska attempt? Now keep in mind DPE was there. He was a freshman, and he was awesome. Well, he, he, uh, wore, out, he wore out Michigan State, and he wore out Iowa. So that was three – there were six returns right there in those two games. I'm going to say it's probably they, average three a game, so 36 to 45. You're you're, yeah, 39 returns, and you got 620 wow. yards out of that, yeah. right? Right? For a guy who also – scores. For also a guy that outside of Kirk Ferentz in 14 – everybody kicked to or tried to avoid. I shouldn't say kick to, avoid. Iowa Iowa was weird that game, and they kicked to him, which made no sense. Now let's go to 2022, go to last year. How many returns did Nebraska attempt? It's Uh, 11. Ludicrous. Five. Yeah. Five. And one of those, (laughs) listen to this, (laughs) one of those is uh, Chris Kolarovic, who probably just got us some pooch, you know, and just – Returned it like 11 yards. Um, so five attempts versus 39. Dude, I mean, think about that. That is like such yeah. a such a uh, ridiculous difference in philosophies. Where does Rule and and Foley land on that? My it see, it sounds like anyways they're going to lean much more heavily to the bow style, where it's like, hey, we're going to try to get something out of this. Like, well, they play they play. Frost just waved the white flag well, the whole and time. And I don't know what you know. You play simple math. I mean, sorry to keep bringing this up, but T.O. would always talk about the percentages. If you return a kickoff past the 20-yard line or you don't return it past the 20-yard line, what happens in the ensuing series? He would do the same thing with a punt return. I mean, you have to play the math, and why handcuff yourself? You know, Why not give yourself the best mm-hmm. advantage to start a drive in positive territory? There's a lot I want to bring back from the Osborne days, but there are two things in particular. The bike that shorts don't get enough play. No, the one, not those. Uh, the draft well, it depends. It depends. Yeah, that, that would help too. Number no, one, number in, fifteen. Uh, I'm talking about in terms of like rules. 55. Yeah, rules approach. You know, like like philosophy wise. So fair catching was banned. Nobody fair caught. No one ran out of bounds either. Not, it, and that was the second one. It, the only time you were permitted to run out of bounds was to save clock. Other than that, doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, receiver, punt returner, running back. Running out of bounds 
was yeah. disallowed <laughs> and you got docked for it and you got you got uh you know um like in trouble for it mm-hmm. you got disciplined for running like just those two things alone how many extra yards do you think they picked up just based off of oh, those man. two rules alone let alone the mentality that that uh imparts on the team bring that back along with 55 and 98 and 15 and 30 and one and yes please bring all those guys back too sharpie we will say fare thee well and we're inching closer to minneapolis should be fun have yourself a weekend i will i think uh rule talks today and i think the guys are in the stadium today yeah doing a scrimmage so that's awesome gary appreciate you brother thanks thanks, for the time man Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning.